welcome to Ladies Talking Leaves. I'm Chris. And I'm Syl. It's been a busy couple of weeks for Kyle Dubas. Trade deadline is over. And for the Leafs, there's been a lot of changes with they brought in six new players. So we're just going to talk a little bit, just give our overall thoughts on on what Kyle Dubas, Kyle Dubas, sorry if I could pronounce his name right, Kyle Dubas did at the deadline. Did he do enough? Did he do too much? Um I don't know, based on the road trip so far, it was three games and four nights um, go out west. And last night versus Vancouver wasn't really the greatest. But um, I don't know. They were doing the, I think, the 11 forwards, seven defensemen thing, too. Kind of was not a good idea uh, to do it two games in a row. Um, but overall, the six new guys so far, I think they've, I mean, it's going to take a little bit longer, obviously, to get into for for Keith to actually figure things out with the line combinations and the D pairings and, and that. But um, I think, I think it's good. And I was actually, I was very happy about Matt Murray playing well last night too. Um, he was hung out to drive there for quite a few thing, quite a few chances, but um, yeah. What do you think about the deadline? Well, uh, this was my impression. So the first two guys that they brought in, I was like super excited. I thought, this is amazing. They yeah. played great right off the hop. Very excited. Next two guys, I was like, oh, yeah, this is good. This is really going to add something to my t- our team. Yeah. Next two guys, and I was starting thinking, is this maybe too much? So I got right. started to get a little nervous. Like, how are they going to get all of these new bodies to gel? So... Uh, I think part of the way is what Keith did Keith did for the last two games by going 11 uh, and yeah. 7 to try to get as many different people, different looks. So that's why I'm not really, you know, putting too much stock into how these uh, last three games went really because yeah. there's just been too many changes and they're obviously really, really experimenting because there's also no practice time during this time where they could kind of get everybody in and, and, and doing stuff together with all six new bodies. Um, so that, that Edmonton game, like the way yeah. they came out, that was basically out of the three. I think that was really the worst one. And I think yes. it was just, I actually think that one, they played that poorly because the three players, not so much Tavares, but Nylander, Matthews and Marner, I think they finally, because like all the moves were, were well, no, not all the moves weren't done at that point, but um the big ones were made. And I think it just came to them that, you know, this is it sort of thing, mm-hmm. right? They like the GM has made all these moves and it's up, it's up to them. It's up to those core and Morgan Riley too. Um, but Riley and Tavares are more experienced. So that's the mental side of the game. I, and I think that just kind of maybe brought them down a little bit on in that Edmonton game. Cause they were just, I'm thinking anyways, cause they were horrible that night. Like Matthews, you didn't see him at all. But um, and Marner was decent, but Willie was invisible too. both Willie and Matthews and Willie. I mean, he lost his two buddies there in Engvall and Engval yeah. and Sandine. Right. So that I mean, there is a human element, too. They are friends and 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 that makes sense. But um, I, I just I just think I, I couldn't find the name of that. We had we mentioned it on a show at the beginning of the season there. Um, what, what is it? The. Uh, the psychologist person that they hired, I forget his name and I couldn't find his name, but um, I'm thinking that 
he needs to maybe <laughs> talk to these guys a little bit more now heading down the stretch because it, it's on them. It's on those that core group of players now. If they can't get well, it done, like this is it. It's Kyle, definitely, du- Kyle Dubas made it all the moves that yes. he could. Yes. To, to get these guys over the top. He did a lot of good work. Um, I but and I do agree that that has to be part of their preparation is getting making sure their heads are right. Uh, yeah. That's another reason why it's it's unfortunate that O'Reilly got hurt uh, in last night's game against uh, Vancouver yeah. because he's he's a person that you know his play on the ice and the way he is off the ice uh, speaks volumes. Uh, plus, his dad is a sports psychologist, so I mean, he's oh, that's been true. psychologized yes. his whole life. So I'm sure he he says yeah. he's like programmed to say the right things, probably. Um, so they should get him in the room. It, yeah, <laughs> it would be good for it would be good if he was around the team this whole time. So, anyways, yeah. we'll see if he's going to be around the team, uh, regardless. Like you know, Muzzin was still with the team, even though. He was rehabbing yeah. and, and all of that. So maybe maybe he will still be around. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, like basically the ball is in, or I should say the puck is in, in their end of the ice, so to speak, uh, for yeah. the players. And it's all kind of up to them right now. So yeah. um, there's still lots of time left, 20 games for them to basically pull it together. Uh, but, you know, by all accounts, I, I know that chemist, uh, chemistry and character are high on Dubis's list. So I don't think he's going to bring in any guys that he foresees would, you know, be an issue. But you yeah. still don't ever know really about the team chemistry uh, going in. So uh, hopefully it will all come together. Um, I did feel it was like a lot of moves, though. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, w- it was a lot. And um yeah, like it's six. It's like a third of their lineup. Like six yeah. new players. It's, it's, yeah. it's a little. It's, but I mean, it could go either way. It's like you could say there could be an argument made that that everybody's been too friendly and too comfortable to this point. So yeah. bringing in fresh blood like this, it's can, the jolt. The jolt exactly. that we talked about last year. That yeah, yeah, that we thought they needed at the end of the season or even before uh, the playoffs last year. Um, we, they needed a jolt and he basically Dubas gave him the jolt this time. And I think they, they needed it and they needed it hopefully to bring them over the top. Mm-hmm. So I do we'll really think that Luke Shen, uh, is a really big ad as well though, because that guy is going to just put it all out there for sure. Yeah. And so long as he doesn't go over the top, because we have seen that too, you know, guys, former Leafs, uh, guys that have always dreamed about playing for the Leafs, they come in and they do too much and yeah. it ends up getting screw- screwed up somehow. So yeah. barring that, that could be yeah. uh, a really, really pivotal, uh, important pickup, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk more about Luke Shannon yeah. in a bit. Yeah. All right. So just a reminder, uh, we did mention it last time, but after this episode, we will be away until April 5th. So don't miss any episode and hit, make sure you hit that follow button wherever you listen to our show. We are all on, are on all the apps. So Apple, Spotify, and Deezer. Shout out yeah. to all of our fans in France. We hear you. We see you. Yeah. And of course, you can find us on the Believe Network also at uh, Believe.com. Yeah. 
So one more note before we get into the show. After the game versus the Canucks, Sportsnet stats, of course, they tweeted the records of the Boston Bruins, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Toronto Maple Leafs versus bottom six teams. So I know at the beginning of the season, I said that I was going to be tracking it. and But these guys went a little bit further, going with the other teams, too, uh, or the top three teams in the Atlantic. So the Bruins have a record of 10-1-0 versus the bottom six teams. The Lightning are 10-0-2. And, and the Maple Leafs are 5-5-2. <laughs> so that's wah, quite, wah, wah. Yeah, quite a difference. But... um. I don't think we need to say much more about that, but there was another a follow-up tweet from uh, from a, a guy on Leafs Twitter, at Joey Ferg, asking for SN stats to do versus the top teams, which, of course, they didn't do. It's always a negative when it comes to uh, to the Leafs, when it comes to Sportsnet, I find. But um, I, I would have been interested in finding those stats as well for those three teams uh, about our, our record versus top teams, but... Yes, because yeah. I think you have to question, what was the point of that tweet? Yeah, exactly. Really? Yeah. You know, yeah. I think all of Leafs Nation kind of knows how we're doing against these teams. And we also know where we are in the standings versus Boston. So, um, yeah. you know, definitely those five points, we would be a lot closer to them. That's for sure. Yeah. But anyway... And All we right, would so, have home ice, home ice uh, well in hand with Tampa. But anyway, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's get into the show now. And it's a little different um, as our segment, the good, the bad and the ugly is, is going to take a little time off uh, and will return with us on April 5th. And so we're going to start off with a special trade deadline issue of the Ladies Talking Leafs highlight reel. And then for our third period segment, we have our LTL insider, Michael Jello, joining us to give his perspective on what the Leafs did at the trade deadline. So without any further ado, let's talk Leafs. All right, we have a big trade deadline edition of the Ladies Talking Leafs highlight reel. So let's roll it. All right, coming in at number three is the deal with Chicago that got us Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty. Um, McCabe looked a little nervous in his first game as a Leaf, but was good the past couple of games. And of course, he stood up for our captain the last yeah. night as well. And yeah, definitely he's been great against the Flames and the Canucks. Uh, Lafferty. Uh, he is a speedy winger with some jam to his game. And the way Keefe has been mixing up the lines, we need, definitely need to see uh, where Lafferty will be a uh, fit in the bottom six. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what Sam Lafferty brings to the lineup. Because um, like we said, we ha- he has some jam and uh, and he's fast. And yeah, I really noticed him dirty- last night. Yeah, he goes into those dirty areas. And um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing where where he comes in. I think last night, I'm just going to look it up here. The um, Last night he was on the fourth line, I think. Let me just mm-hmm. see. Because they were only playing the... Oh, no, he was on the third line. Bet- O'Reilly and Bunting, they had him on, oh, right. uh, okay. versus the Canucks. And then in the previous game versus the flames he was it was this actually it was Kerfoot on the left right Bunting was up with Matthews and Marner so it's been Lafferty and O'Reilly the last couple of games so we'll see what happens now that O'Reilly might be out for a little bit hopefully not but um but yeah and then with Jake McCabe I was uh it's funny he's he's 
I like him because apparently he had the no trade list too, like for mm-hmm. the six Canadian teams, right? And of course, the only Canadian team that wasn't there on that list was us. So he obviously yeah. wanted to come, like doesn't mind coming to Toronto and, and the big market and the big show. And yeah, and he stepped up for JT, like you said. So he was showing that, although there should have been somebody else, maybe, I mean, it's only his, what, it was his third game. So you would think that somebody else would have been there too, too. But it's nice to see someone other than Michael Bunting stepping yeah. up for... Uh, but I, I do think that as a new guy, you kind of want to show that you're there for your new teammates. So I I, I feel yeah. like that's something that they do. Because even um, last year, or no, didn't Felino did, did, did the same yes. thing when we got him? Um, yeah. I mean, I think it was Tavares. I think that was Tavares that <laughs> it was got Tavares hit too. that time too. Yeah. yeah. So, um, poor JT. Oh God. He, he yeah. Was... So, in that regard, like I don't really mind that that he he did that, and of course uh, JT was very grateful uh, for yeah. him stepping in like that, and, and thankful he got up. That was quite the hit. That uh, what's his name? I Tyler know. Myers did on on him. It was but... borderline borderline yeah. dirty to me, but yeah. anyway, it's the height yeah. difference probably. Yeah. You know, when you got a guy that big, yeah. <laughs> almost everyone he hits is going to be a little bit lower and easier to get to get the head, right? So, yeah. Okay. So coming in at number two on uh, Kyle Dubas's, what we've chosen out of Kyle Dubas's uh, trade deadline additions is Luke Shen. He's a Leaf once again. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, yeah, former first overall pick for the Leafs in the 2008 draft. That was the same draft as Steven Stamkos pick number one overall. Um, he played four seasons with the Leafs before tr- being traded to Philly for JVR. I've totally forgot. I looked it up. I was like, I knew that he was traded for something. Of course, I have my JVR jersey, and I thought to myself, that's the connection there. But um, yeah, big question for us, for his first game back as a Leaf at Scotiabank Arena, will they bring back Luke's troops? That's what yes. we want to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not, not Loops troops. Yes. <laughs> Luke's troops. Yes. It went from <laughs> Luke's to Loops, Loops to Leafs. So <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. I, I, I probably, I think they probably won't. They'll keep it no, generic, I, just yeah. you know, that way they don't have to change it up every time. Um, but uh, still, I I'm hoping that he gets a, a big ovation. He seems like so excited oh, uh, yeah. to be coming back. Uh, so yeah, he's definitely you know when they're interviewing him, I'm like, wow, he really is a man now. Like compared yeah. to when he was here, he was still a boy, uh, and he's really paid his dues and learned the ropes. So. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, as I said before, I think it's going to be an important add for for our team come playoff time for sure. Yeah, and he's won the Stanley Cup too, so yeah, right, with with Tampa. So yeah, he knows, so he's going to know the opponent for us. Can never have enough guys that know what it takes to get through that. Yeah. All right. Speaking of that, we come yeah. to our number one addition, and that is Ryan O'Reilly noted cup winner, and uh, <laughs> Noel Achari still looking for his first cup. Um, on that deal. So uh, no doubt the O'Reilly factor is what will make a big difference for us in the playoffs. And we hope that the hand injury versus Vancouver won't keep him out of the lineup for too long. Um, he has been great on the draw. Yesterday he had uh, yeah. a yeah, not he had the, the greatest game. night. Yeah. That was kind of an off game for him overall. So his his percentage is now dipped to a lowly 67% in the circle. 
Yeah. Um, anyway, and Nola Chari, he's basically come as advertised. He is a grinder who can skate and goes to the tough areas of the ice. Uh, he spent his first four seasons with the Bruins, and he was a part of that Bruins team in 2019 that beat the Leafs in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So again, another guy that knows that will know one of our opponents uh, quite well that can uh, that can help us out in that regard. But yeah, because I really, mean, how much has Boston changed even? No, Not they still much. have that core. That's why mm-hmm. this is their last kick at the can as they or they think it is anyways. They well, don't every know year they for, say that, but <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bergeron and Krejci are only on the one year deals, right? Like this is the they don't know they if they win at all. Like, yeah, I think it'll be. It'll, they'll be like going off into the sunset finally and we can get rid of them, but <laughs> not have to worry <laughs> about them anymore. Right. It's still just be Marshan. But, um, but yeah, I, I just think that having, knowing the opponent that way is, is going to work out. And um, like, this is the first deal too that Kyle Dubas made. So um, by getting Ryan O'Reilly and again, we just hope that maybe it's not that bad. We we saw a picture. Somebody took a photo and they put it on Facebook on one of the Facebook groups um, showing Ryan O'Reilly had the finger in a splint thing or something. So I don't know. I just hope that he's not going to be out for too long if he is out. And um, because just he 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 just has so much experience. And like you're saying earlier with his dad and that and that connection that psychological part of it of going through each round four rounds it's not easy to win the 16 games in the stanley to get to the to the ultimate prize the stanley cup so um that's and he's a guy that again he's like kind of like luke shen too it's like pinch me he's a leaf sort of thing right Mm -hmm. he just can't believe it and um and he's a guy that will like take the team on his back too right and and well that's what it takes to win the con smythe which he has done Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think that is definitely our, like the number one, there's no doubt that that's the number one deal that Cal uh, Dubas made that is going to mm-hmm. hopefully end this awful streak of, um, <laughs> of not First winning a playoff exits. round. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So we've given you what we think are Kyle Dubas's top rate trade deadline deals this season. And now we're going to get a little bit more detailed and discuss the Leafs moves with our Ladies Talking Leafs insider, Mike Ojello. Okay, for our third period segment, we're welcoming to the show our Ladies Talking Leafs insider, Mike Ojello, to talk about what Kyle Dubas did at the deadline. And as most of you know, Mike covers the Leafs and the NHL as a reporter and does a podcast with HockeyBuzz.com. He is also co-host of Off the Post Radio and the Leafs Convo, and he is a writer for for Full Press Hockey. Thanks again for coming on the show, Mike. Always a pleasure, ladies. Um, you know, we a lot, lot to discuss. A lot of things happened over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's for sure. That's why we didn't bother having shows in between because we knew things were just going to keep rolling and rolling. But um, anyhow, let's get to it. Kyle Dewis got to work early this deadline. And just to run through it, uh, the first uh, with the players that joined the Leafs coming in are Ryan O'Reilly, Noel Achari, Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty, Eric Gustafson, and Luke Shen. So and a part of all these three. Yeah. <laughs> Out of all these players, who do you think will have the biggest impact come playoff time, Mike? 
more in the playoffs, let's that's just say tough. that. Yeah, that's tough to say because I think they all, well, they all uh, serve different roles. I think up front, um, I mean, O'Reilly is obviously the most impactful. He's going to play. Now, you know, up until uh, the, la- the last game against Calgary, and that was because they played 11 forwards, um, they've started O'Reilly at center on the second line with John Tavares. Now with 11 forwards, they mix things up. Um, I believe when the playoffs come around, he's going to be their third line center. That uh, Tavares will be on one line. O'Reilly will be on a second line. Matthews will be on a third line. Um, that's to take advantage of him you know, being a good face-off guy, a good defensive forward, and as a matchup against you know, either Braden Point or Sorelli or Nick Paul, whoever Sheldon Keefe decides yeah. that he wants to match up. That's to maximize his value. Uh, you know, he may be out there uh, as a secondary face-off guy or even the primary face-off guy in the defensive zone, but I think impact-wise up front, uh, it's definitely O'Reilly, and uh, I think we've seen that yeah. already. The hat trick in Buffalo, um, you know, his face-off percentage I think is in the 70s right now, which is obscene. Yeah, uh, I mean, Achari's yeah. going to have an impact, right-handed center, fourth-line guy, and Lafferty uh, provides some energy. Uh, but uh, up front, it's O'Reilly. And on the back end, simply because of ice time, it's going to be Jake McCabe. McCabe is appearing to slot in in the top four. Uh, he appears to be penciled in as that physical left-side defenseman uh, that has been missing since Jake Muzzin got hurt. So... Um, he's going to get upwards of 20 minutes a night and they're going to depend on him probably in matchup situations against, you know, impact forwards, uh, against Tampa in the playoffs. Yeah. So, so you think, so the other night against Calgary, anyways, they played O'Reilly as the third line center actually between Kerfoot and Lafferty. But then, uh, I guess with Tavares and Willie Nylander, I guess they had Yarncroke they had here as starting anyways, but I don't know. Do you think Yarncroke will still... Stay up there. I think, well, well there were so many combinations that Keith was doing yeah, the other weird. night. It was a weird situation because it was 11 and 7. So you were always going to have different different oh, yeah. matchups, different combinations. Um, when they get back to the traditional 12 forward, 6 defenseman, I still think O'Reilly is going to be the third line. Um, right. You know, there's been a history of Kerfoot being that guy with Tavares and Marner and, you know, Yarncroke, O'Reilly and um, you know, whoever they want to put La- on that. Lafferty, I guess. Yeah. Lafferty or, yeah. I mean, they're the really, you know, they can go any way of a number of different ways, but I do think when it comes around to playoff time, O'Reilly is going to be the third line center. Yeah. Okay. Right. So looking back at these moves, um, like, were you surprised with, with any of the moves that Dubas made or what about ones that he didn't make? So like, obviously he traded Sandine. Uh, yeah. He didn't get a goalie. Um, what do you think overall of, of, you know, what he did or didn't do? Well, the le- the most surprising of all of them was the trade of Sandine. Um, you know, whether it was the sort of acrimony coming from the off season and the contract negotiation, or just the fact that with the trade for McCabe, there really wasn't a role for him on the left side. Um, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have Morgan Riley playing 20 plus minutes a night. Giordano essentially penciled into the bottom pairing and now McCabe on the left side, um, uh, on the second pairing, 
you know, there really wasn't a role there. And Sandine had value as a former first round pick and as a talented young player. I'm just surprised, you know, after trading out so much draft capital through all these deals to sort of late in the game recoup a first round pick, which I think is a good thing. But I just would have liked to have seen Sandine sort of play out his uh, situation in Toronto. I mean, I think his main benefit would be as a power play quarterback. And he never really got that opportunity other than when Riley got hurt earlier earlier in the year. He's not going to get that opportunity in Washington as John Carlson is the is the point guy in the power play. Mm-hmm. So I I liked Rasmus Sandin. I know there are some people who've had his detractors about had detract you know detracted from his value because of his durability because of you know being soft or whatever. I think he would have eventually gotten over those things, but he had value and they saw an opportunity to recoup some draft capital. So that was the one that was the most surprising the least surprising one was Luke Shen I mean I've been talking about Luke Shen for three months I mean the guy's been leading the NHL in hits um you know right shot defenseman big physical guy I think it became more necessary um you know I'm I'm, Kyle Dubas came out after the Tanner Janot deal with Tampa and then making the McCabe deal and said that the McCabe deal was in the works before uh, the even the Boston deal for Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway, and I believe it was in the works. But I've, you know, I, I'm I'm saying I'm calling bullcrap on the fact that he didn't pull that deal off because Jano was added to Tampa. I mean, you look at the Leafs' defense and the and and the potential of facing Jano, Nick Paul, Ross Colton. Corey Perry, Belmar, and Patrick Maroon. Um, check checkmate, folks. You know, <laughs> yeah. you needed to upgrade the physicality on the blue line to be able to withstand that group of knuckle dragging Neanderthals. And I think they accomplished that. I mean, it's still going to be a hell of a task, but I think that Shen was a necessity. Yeah, I have yeah. to agree with that. And uh, that's one thing I kind of liked. Uh, from what we've already seen, uh, that the physicality has definitely been upped uh, for sure. And they play, yeah. played a really strong, uh, you know, especially in the third period against Calgary, really uh, strong physical period there. So, Well, I, I, yeah. I think, I mean, it was screaming in terms of the fact that, you know, this team, you know, there's no doubting this team's talent. I mean, Matthews and Marner and Nylander and, you know, the, the skill level. Um, and But I think most detractors of the Leafs over the last few years have just uh, basically had the situation, you know, have read the situation that they've been run out of the building physically. And I don't think that's going to happen any any longer. Now, Tampa is more physical. Um, I think they're going to press the Leafs. They're going to try to force them into giveaways in the defensive zone. But you have pushback now. You have Achari and you have Lafferty and you have Shen and McCabe. There is some pushback. It's not just Michael Bunting jumping on somebody because Austin Matthews is getting picked on. You needed more than that. Yeah. And now mm-hmm. I think they have, they have more. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good thing. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, so... Um, I guess with the defense still, um, now they have nine defensemen. I was actually shocked that they didn't do something on the final day on trade deadline day to 
to yeah, trade I, at least I, one of them and get something else. But um, I was, I guess, I was praying that, I was, I was praying that a certain number three was going to be. <laughs> Yeah. But what it what it you aren't you giving him credit at least for the 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 decent game he had against uh the Oilers? That was a pretty good game for him. Uh, I mean he did have Oilers? some of his usual foibles. Yeah, yeah. Flames. You mean, you mean until un- oh no, I was gonna say against the Oilers, the only thing he accomplished was getting knocked out by that noted pugilist Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I yeah, mean, but he <laughs> he stood up to him though, and he had a pretty physical game that game. Yeah, I, I I guess so. There's, there's, very, there's very little that Justin Hall can do to recoup his uh, his value in my eyes. I I hope, as I think most, you know, I'm not a fan. I'm a reporter, but I, I you know, observing that team as long as I have, and I know talking to a number of Leaf fans, they hope that he is elsewhere next year. And I, probably I, will be because they're. Yeah. I doubt they're they're yeah. gonna resign him, but uh, yeah, but think, for the money yeah. he makes. That's that's where it always comes down to is is what he gives uh, for the amount that he makes, I guess, is what most people say is, you know, the value that he brings. Right. But anyways. Yeah. Yeah. But back, so to, what, uh, back to the playoffs, yeah, back to the playoff D. <laughs> yeah. Back to the well, playoff D. What what do you think of the pairings, I guess, for game one of the playoffs? Wh- who do you think should be the pairings out of these nine defensemen? Well, and maybe. I think Jordy Ben is including in that too. <laughs> yeah, that, so they have so they have ten NHL defensemen. Oh, okay, yeah. first of all, I don't think that. I mean, I, I would be surprised if they do not have Brody and Morgan Riley together on the top pairing because yeah, Riley playing with almost, yeah Riley playing with almost every other defense partner has been exposed and you know Riley needs to be able to freewheel and jump into the offensive attack and Brody allows him to be able to do that when he plays with Hall especially the last few games playing with Hall it's just like I mean I'm, I'm just waiting for the counterattack and the goal yeah no um, that's a disaster that's a complete and utter disaster I mean it would be better to play him with Liljegren than to play him than, than to play him with Hall I, I mean I don't know yeah. why they're doing that but right now it's just experimentation I guess mm-hmm. but I would say that you know ideally your top pairing uh, would be uh, Riley and Brody. Uh, your second pairing would be uh, McCabe and Liljegren. And your okay. th- third pairing would be Giordano and Luke Shen. Now, do I think that that's who Sheldon Keefe is going to play? No. I think he's going to play um, Brody and Riley, um, probably McCabe and uh, Lilligren, uh, and he's going to play. Yeah. Hall, and he's going to play Hall instead of instead of Giordano. And then when Hall makes his uh, ridiculous giveaway in Game One, then they play, <laughs> then they play Lilligren, or or they go with seven defense. There's possible that they go with seven defensemen when they're carrying nine. I, I just know for like Connor Timmins will not be in the lineup, not because of anything he hasn't done, anything he's done, but you've got more experience and more physicality with the other players, uh, Keith trusts hall to be a penalty killer that's why he'll, he might get the uh leg up on timmons and gustafson is only there to in case morgan riley gets hurt i mean you saw i've been a long time eric eric gustafson's the offensive version of justin hall for me he's been somebody on other teams that i sort of just like shook my head at because he's so bad defensively and we saw that against calgary he uh, first shift on the second power play 
he gets burned up and Blake Coleman scores the, the, the breakaway goal. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think he only plays if Morgan Riley is injured. Yeah. Cause he's really, he's a power play specialist, yes. right? That's basically what it is. So like uh, to me, like he's also maybe if they did go with a 70 situation, he could be kind of like mostly sitting on the bench, playing the odd shift, but then do handling like the second power play unit, maybe um, as the quarterback there. That's basically all I really see with him. But like you said, though, like it's it's funny how, you know, he's a guy, though, that burned us earlier in the season yeah. with like a, a his first ever hat yeah, trick. Against us. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah. that's kind of crazy. <laughs> I, I was thinking if they were going to flip a defenseman at the deadline, it would yeah. him because he's making $800,000. He's got 38 points and there had to be a team out there looking for an inexpensive power play quarterback. But I guess if they were only getting like sixth or seventh round picks in return, um, then it probably would have, you know, in Kyle Dubas's mind, it was probably more beneficial to keep him and have him in reserve in case mm-hmm. Riley did get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you think they would alternate Giordano and Shen? Maybe just because of the more so uh, the, the age playoff, factor, playoff, sort of like, no. Yeah, in the playoffs, no. I think they're going to mm-hmm. play Giordano. I think the whole, I think, I think Giordano was one of their best defensemen in the seven game series against Tampa. Um, okay. I mean, I, I think, I think the possibility is there. I mean, why would you get Luke Shen unless you're going to play him, and especially against right. a team that is physical like Tampa? I think you, you desperately need him in the lineup. I think there's a possibility they're going to go with seven defensemen in the playoffs because they're going to want Shen there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I mean, the only in my mind, the guy to sit is Hall, but I know Sean yeah. Keefe won't sit him. But Tampa didn't play Shen every game when they went and got him. They played him like kind of every other game or whatever. So yeah, but it's then, in a way that it's good that but then, they could do that if they wanted to, um, but, because but, he's used to it. But Tampa, but Tampa has sandpaper yeah, and size and space, mm, and true. the Leafs and the Leafs yeah. don't. So that means yeah. that mean, in my mind that means that Shen has to be in the lineup but whether they see it that way we'll see i mean they spotted him in his first game i think he played around 10 minutes um i think they'll up his his minutes he was averaging a little over 17 minutes in vancouver now he's he's not he was playing second pairing with vancouver and he's probably going to play third pairing with the leafs but i do think they want ideally for him to play 12 13 minutes a night and continue to be the hitting machine that he's been all year all right so now we're going to put you on the spot And given all these moves, um, do you think the Leafs will finally break through and win at least one playoff round? Okay. I have to preface this to say that I am a noted (laughs) pessimist. Yes. We know that about you, Mike. (laughs) My my philosophy is um, I will believe it when I see it. So Mm -hmm. do I think they're going to beat Tampa? No. Do I think they're capable of doing it? Yes. Now, if you base it based on where this team was last year as compared to this year and where Tampa is, uh, I think Tampa's defense is weaker than it was last year. Um, but up front, I think they're just as strong or stronger. You know, they they lost Palat. 
Um, but they've added Janot and they're, you know, they're, they're just solid throughout their lineup. You know, Brandon Hagel was an addition at the end of the year last year, this year, he's got over 60 points. So they're really good. They're really, uh, uh, they're really playoff tested and talented. The Leafs are much better. It's going to rely on gee, here's a revelation, the core group showing up (laughs) now percent now. Now all the secondary pieces are in place. You've added a fa- a fourth line face-off guy who's a penalty killer, who's physical. You've added Ryan O'Reilly who won a Smythe Trophy. You've bolstered the blue line. Now what is it up to? It's up to the goaltending playing up to up to expect- expectations, which I think they're obviously Murray and uh, and Sam Samsonov are leaps and bounds better than Peter Morazic at Jack Campbell and Eric Schalgren. So the goaltending is better, but it's whether Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nylander show up. And if they do, I think they have a good chance to win. I still will pick Tampa, but I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto wins if the core group shows up. If they don't, they're going to lose. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty much splitting hairs last year (laughs) as well. Like, it was close. Um, But obviously... We need to score on the power play. Basically, it was a power yes. play. If we got yeah. the goal on the power, our power play sucks all the time. Every time we go into the playoffs, for some reason, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't. I can't remember who who it was that that collated the stats, but from 2019 when they played the Bruins in Game Seven, and then Columbus Game Five, and then Montreal Game Seven, and then Tampa Game Seven, the Leafs have scored one, one, zero, and one. They've scored one goal in game sevens or deciding games since 2019. 2018, I think they scored four, but they gave up seven. So for this vaunted offense, this powerhouse offense to not show up at the most inopportune times is the reason why this team, you know, it's not goaltending. It's, I mean, I think goaltending last year and in, uh, against Montreal came up short, but it wasn't in game seven. It was in game five and it was in game six. In game sevens, it's the offense that didn't show up. And it needs to show up. And if it does, they have a good chance to win. But it's tough to break through Andre Vasilevsky and Carey Price and, you know, Eunice Corpusallo doing his best Pekka Rene imitation. You know, it's, they've run into great goaltending, but you have to beat great goaltending to win in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you have time for a few more, Mike? Yeah, hey. no problem. That's good. So let's get on to the topic of Matthew Nyes. So yeah. do you think he's going to join the Leafs? I guess given that I was looking, it was fun. You retweeted something from Puckpedia, I think I saw it there on your uh, mm-hmm. on your Twitter. But they left just enough cap space for, I guess, somebody like Matthew Nyes, if he, assuming he signs a contract with us, to, to actually uh, and I, join us. I believe but. there's a there's a spot potentially available on <laughs> the left wing side on one of the lines. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. That, that's, that, okay, that's the interesting thing. Um, you could say, well, wow, he could just plug in on that second line with Tavares and Marner. But do we really want to put that much pressure on a 20-year-old kid coming out of college, no matter how great of a prospect he is? Mm-hmm. Do we really want to put him in that position? I, I think what's going to end up happening is, you know, he plugs in. I, first of all, he's going to sign. Um, okay. You know, Kyle Dubas went to Minnesota to check him out uh, last week uh, before the uh, trip to Seattle and 
you know, he's had a fantastic season with the Golden Gophers. I think it was 21 goals. He's topped what he did last year. Um, You know, this is a kid at 19, has made the Olympics, made the World Junior. I mean, they they hit a home run with him as a second round pick. Now, Kyle Dubas made made sure that he pointed out last week that he wanted to make make sure that expectations were being managed, and that's that's the big concern. Like you know, mm-hmm. you know how Toronto is. I was like, oh my god, here's our our brand new shiny toy. Yeah, remember back in the day, Miroslav Inachak is going to be the next big thing and he scores a couple goals in his first NHL game against Montreal and everybody thinks oh my god we just signed the you know Pavel Bure or you know and the guy was the guy was nothing mm-hmm. but in in the in Toronto with it being such a you know such a big media market it's it's tough for the fan base and for the even for the media to get to get all hyped up about a, a really good prospect, but I think uh, Kyle Dubas is right in, in the sense of managing expectations. So I think, yes, he's going to sign after um, Minnesota's season is complete. Now, the thing is, they're, I think they're the number one ranked team in, in mm-hmm. the NCAA. They're likely going to go to the Frozen Four. The Frozen Four is April 7th and, and April 9th. That's the, the, the semifinals and the final. Yeah, I was just wondering, like, how much time will he even have to acclimate a couple games at most. Yeah. I mean, he could probably, you know, he probably signs on April 10th and, you know, they have a couple games to get him to work him in. Now, I mean, if you remember back in the day, Matt Fratton signed out of North Dakota and played the final game. And I think Joe Colburn did the same thing coming out of the NCAA. So, yeah, I'm looking at the schedule right now. Their final two games. Our final three games are April, are all on the road, April 10th in Florida, April 11th against Tampa Bay, and April 13th against the New York Rangers. I don't know if you want to put him in a debut against the Lightning, who are going <laughs> to send a message to them, you know, before they play in the playoffs. And that could that game could be for home ice advantage. So, um, but yeah, I think he's going to sign. I think he'll sign a, a three-year entry-level deal, probably with all the bonuses, all the trimmings. Um, and, uh, they did keep enough money to sign him to that deal with, 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 uh, you know, it would likely be the same amount as a first round pick. Cause he's, uh, you know, he's a highly regarded prospect, but I think he, but whether they use him in the playoffs, I, I don't know. We, we know Sheldon Keefe has always been shy of using rookies in key spots even true, true. The regular season. So in the playoffs, <laughs> that's why I think in most, he'll be a fourth line guy. Okay. All right. That sounds good. All right. So one more thing that I have for you here. So do you think like because of all the the players that they got, a lot of them are not speedy guys. And we know that, you know, they like to play like kind of a, a puck possession, speed kind of game. Uh, how do you think the overall um, team speed is going to be impacted? And how do you think this is going to affect their style of play going forward? Well, I mean, Lafferty is fast. Um, yes, but, I, yeah. we have seen flashes of that for sure. Yeah, but, already. Uh, but O'Reilly and uh, O'Reilly's not overly fast, but all the, all the players that they acquired except for Gustafson, he's a good skater, but he's I think he's barely going to play. Um, mm-hmm. They're all puck possession guys. They're guys who are good against the wall. Um, they, you know, good defensive players. So, I, I you know, I mean, their overall team speed – 
um, may have been decreased slightly by some of these additions, but I think what they've gained is experience and what, where they needed to improve, which is on the wings, on the boards, uh, positionally. Um, I don't think it's going to be a major factor in terms of, you know, I mean, Tampa Bay is not an overly fast team. They've got some red burners like Kucherov. Mm-hmm. But if you look at that bottom six, you know, Nick Paul is a big, not relatively slow forward. Corey Perry is on his last legs. So, you know, they don't have a bunch of burners. They have some good speed and so so do uh, so so does the Leafs, but I think overall it it sort of balances out. I don't think it's going to be a detriment to their to the team in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Chris, uh, anything else that you want to uh, ask? No, I think that's it. I think we covered it all. I mean, I'm I'm hoping at least w- with these moves that we get past this first round. I don't know. I'm a little bit more positive than you, Mike. Let's just say, um, but. The, the thing that worries me is the goaltending. Uh, we'll see how Matt Murray does going forward. Um, well, I'll just, I'll just say this because I know that there were some people criticizing um, the fact that they didn't add a goaltender. Um, you know, I think they've been overly careful with Matt Murray. He's been out six weeks. You know, they've had Samson off the schedule um, has been favorable in terms of not a lot of back to backs. And Joseph Wall, I think, has played pretty well in the three games yeah. he's played. So I have a lot of confidence in him. Not, not to say that they want to they want to insert Joseph Wall in a playoff scenario, but I think I think I can see a scenario where Joseph Wall is the backup goaltender next year because he's making eight hundred less than eight hundred thousand dollars and he's having a great year with the Marlies. But um, I suspect that both of these goaltenders, Murray and Samsonov, are going to be used in a series against Tampa. I don't think it's going to be one guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with that. And yeah. I actually think that's the way to go. Yes. Personally. I think Murray on the road and Samsonov at home. I mean, Samsonov, yeah. rec- his record at home is <laughs> like 17-2-1. It's sickening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I know it's unconventional because normally you want to ride the hot guy, but to me, that's that is riding the hot guy. One guy is really hot at home. The other guy is really good on the road. <laughs> <laughs> that's what yeah. I would do. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean it, it. makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, it, it would low it would lower the workload, obviously, and that has to be a concern with Murray's sort of lack of uh, of durability. But I do think they've been overly careful with him because, really, we've known they're going to play Tampa since around the middle of November. Um, this team <laughs> got Matt Murray for one, well, actually two reasons, Stanley cup in 20, 2016 and Stanley cup in 2017. He's won cups and he's played in those games and he's been hardened by the crucible of the Stanley cup playoffs. So I think they wanted to make sure he was completely healthy before they brought him back and Samsonov has played really well. So he's gotten the workload and, and Murray now, you know, may have to shake a little rust off, but I do think he's going to probably end up playing half the games between now and the end of the season. And um, I think he's going to, I, you know, if, if the Leafs get home ice advantage, maybe there's a possibility Samsonov starts at home, but I think game when game one rolls around, Matt Murray is going to be the goalie. Okay. Well, Chris, yeah. I guess that's a wrap. Yeah. Is that good that's with it. you, Mike? Uh, well, I have no problem talking, so I... <laughs> <laughs> that's all we He'll got be... for today, though. Yeah. So 
Anyways. Mike will be so, back uh, again as our Ladies Talking Leafs insiders. That's yes, for sure. We're, yeah. Definitely before the playoffs, at least oh, once, yeah. uh, maybe maybe more than once. So thanks so much, Mike, for being our guest again today. And listeners, remember, you can check out Mike's blog on HockeyBuzz.com. And if you don't follow him on Twitter, you really should. And you can do that at Mike in Buffalo. That's his handle. So thanks again, Mike. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Again, thanks to Mike for joining us on the show. Um, It's great content that he always gives us. And Mm -hmm. he has the direct connection with the team, uh, media access with the team. So, um, yeah, we're so thankful that he he can... join us on the show and give us all uh, all his thoughts on the Leafs. He loves talking Leafs, that's for sure. So yeah. we can't thank him enough, obviously, for yeah, yeah. Uh, for uh, for making time to join us and talk with us about our favorite team. Yeah. So as we mentioned off the top of the show, our next episode will be on April the 5th. Uh, by then, w- the Leafs will be in the stretch drive to the playoffs. So, of course... We're not going to leave you listeners on your own out there. We'll be on social media giving you updates from games we attend. So be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and on our YouTube channel. You'll you'll definitely find some videos there. Um, while we're while we're off for a bit, our handle on all our social media platforms is at LTL1917. And while we're on a bit of a hiatus, uh, check out some of our episodes from earlier in the season. Our November 16th episode includes our segment On the Road with Chris and Sill, where we talk about our road trip to Raleigh, North Carolina. This could definitely come in handy come playoff time. And also in our January 18th episode, we gave a behind the scenes look at the NHL Situation Room, where on ice plays are reviewed. Yeah, so the refs always come into the game somehow. So if you want to know more about that, check out that episode uh, from January 18th. A reminder to be sure to leave us a rating or review and let us know what you think of the show. It's easy on Apple, Spotify, um, or even just send us an email, ladiestalkingleafs at gmail.com. And it's important for our show to get more exposure as a source for Leaf content. And we thank you so much for taking the time. And another way to help us out is by visiting our Ko-fi page at ko-fi.com. You can follow us there. And if you choose to, you can support us by buying us a coffee. Any donation there goes towards helping us produce the show and making it even better for you. So you can find the link to our Ko-fi page on our show notes or in any of our social media profile pages. Thank you to our healthcare workers as always and our first responders as well for everything that they do. And we thank you as always for listening. So until next time, April 5th, don't forget, go Leafs, go. Go Leafs, go. Do you believe?